What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the eAssist Dental MBA podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, and always excited to be with you. And as we've said with this podcast, where we're going to be touching on all things business, right? But the eAssist team wanted us to bring on here individuals in our profession um, that have done a whole host of things, you know, in regards to making the profession better, but also can talk a little bit about business and their challenges and all that good stuff. So very excited and honored to have uh, with us today, Dr. Tuan Pham. How you doing, Dr. Pham? I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. So, so a couple things. I've got some questions for you. We're going to talk a little bit about what what your journey has been like and challenges and business and all that good stuff with your practices. Uh, before we do, love to have you share just a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Tuan Pham. I'm a general dentist. Uh, I'm in Austin, Texas, where it seems everyone wants to move here. Uh, I've been a dentist for well, I guess it's been a long time, 15 years, time flies. Um, And I love being a dentist. I love what I do. Um, uh, And I love what I do because I've created the reality of the style of practice that I've always wanted. Um, And so for me, you know, I don't know the term is lucky or blessed or whatever you want to call it, or or it's just hard work and success, but I love being a dentist. Um, I'm a general practitioner. I work four days a week. Uh, I choose to work four days a week because I keep me busy and I like to stay busy. And a three-day weekend is what I've always aimed for. Um, I'm a private practitioner in Austin, Texas. Uh, I teach a lot of dentists also uh, with my dental maverick training program. I enjoy that because I like affecting a change in other dentists. I feel that, this is just my thought, but I feel like dentists are so smart. They're so technical. They're so um, scientific in what they do. But I think a lot of dentists lose track of uh, what makes successful, what makes someone successful as a dentist. And there's there's more, since you're talking about business, there's more to uh, being successful as a dentist beyond your clinical hand skills, which we all should aim for. But success in a dental office comes with so much more. And, and I really enjoy that portion because people skills, communication skills, management skills, leadership skills, these are all things that are very important where if a dentist can go through dental school, learn all these technical skills. And then if they grasp these skills and meld them together, the success can be immense. You know, uh, before we get started, I love you touching on the topic of that. And, and I'm curious, you know, as, as a, what's been a practicing dentist now for 15 years, do you feel like this business side um, of owning a dental practice and the importance of it is, is starting to connect more? In other words, like, uh, you know, dentists are seeing I think, I mean, I don't think it's a safe assumption to say that they've never seen the value of it, right? I mean, but but like you like like you said, there's always that clinical aspect. It's it's what you know, it's it's what you went to school for, what you love to do. But are you seeing positive momentum towards understanding that the value of the business piece? Sure, uh, I'd say that there's uh, definitely a shift towards the value of this and, and learning the knowledge in this. And part of the reason is just the facts. The facts are dentists these days, they're burdened with bigger debts, bigger school debts, bigger practice loans. I mean, some I saw uh, NYU is up to 700,000 for tuition in, in cost of four years. You add that plus the sale of a practice of a million dollar practice, and you're probably looking at easily someone 1.5, 1.6 uh, to $2 million worth of debt, you know? Yeah. So what happens is as we feel the pressures of the debt, in the past, dentistry without that debt, without that overhead, you know, we honestly, you can be a successful dentist being a, I hate to say this, but being a mediocre dentist and everything that you do. A mediocre is not bad, but what I'm saying is like someone that just goes to work, they hang a sign, they do some work, they treat their patients well. 
And in the past, that has worked very well because uh, the debt to income ratio just allows it. Right. As time passes now with increasing burden of debt, increasing cost of doing business, you know, and we're in the Corona time right now, all our PPE, uh, all these stupid costs are, are higher at the moment. Yes, the, the ability to understand the business skills is very important because, as you know, you know, uh, the, the, one of the best examples I like to tell people is like, I've noticed that dentists are very lopsided and like, just as you mentioned, and how they well, like to learn. They like, the, they're very scientific. They like to learn the clinical skills. And it's a common linear thinking of dentists that if I learn the skill, patients will come to me and I will be able to utilize these skills. Mm-hmm. But I always, rhetorical question I like to tell dentists is I'm like, hey, listen, let's imagine that arbitrarily you're just the best person, the best dentist. You got the best hand skills. You can make the smoothest, beautiful crown. Your fit is immaculate. Let's just say that's who you are <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah. But how good is that skill if your patients don't accept that treatment? Yeah. And so that is a portion of business. Business is an all-encompassing term, but business involves communication, discussion with patients, uh, it's so much more than that. It's it's having a team that works with you. The ability to have a team with with works with you depends on how well you are as a manager and eventually a leader, how you communicate with them and bring everyone together. So absolutely, to answer your question long-winded, business is a very important aspect of success this day, these days. And if you don't achieve it, you don't learn it, you don't grasp it, you're going to be stagnant. You're going to be living a life as a dentist and, and, and not to uh, the level of fulfillment that you want. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's a great way to wrap it up. And so um, not in the sense of this podcast, but just kind of wrap up that initial thought, which was super important. And I'm, I'm glad that you kind of framed out that way. Cause now what I want to do is I want to get in a little bit of, a, of your story and, and, and have you talk a little bit about, you know, how many practices you've had, the number of, you know, team members that you have. Cause I think sure. what's going to be great about this conversation is you tying in uh, some of the things you've learned along the way, the business sure. side, and how you're applying that to your real life situation right now. Sure. Well, uh, I'll give you a brief history of myself. I said uh, I'm a dentist for 15 years. I graduated University of Texas Health Science Center in 2005. And just like any other doctor, when we first get out of school, I was very excited to have my first job. Uh, <laughs> I looked, I wanted to move to Austin because I went to the University of Texas here, a glorious school, and I wanted to live here. And so, I found a practice. I got lucky. It was a fee-for-service practice. And the reason I bring that up is up till that point in my life and the changes that would soon occur, I I had no idea what the reality of life was. My dad is an engineer. He's worked his whole life, 20 plus years. He finally broke six figures. He's a very hardworking person. Um, And I thought that's what life would be like. Okay. Uh, I'll come back to this thought in just a moment. But when I was younger, I remember my dad said he passed up a lot of uh, raises uh, uh, and changes in positions because they were managerial and he didn't want to do it. I'll Mm -hmm. come back to that in a bit. But I thought life is you just work hard, you work long, you get a job, and eventually you reach arbitrarily the definition of success somehow. And the dentist that hired me, he's an excellent dentist. He was the uh, president of the local dental association in town. He was a great dentist. He took me under his wing. And I listened to his story too. And he was like, yeah, I was an associate for 10 years before I finally started this practice. So all these realities in my mind just At that point in my life, I thought that's what life was to be a dentist, okay? And then, so I worked with him. I, you know, I I made enough money to pay my rent, pay some bills, drink beer. And I was very happy as a (laughs) 25, 26-year-old. That's that's really what I wanted. Yeah. And then 
one day, he, uh, you know, he was proposing to me he wanted to buy the office and I didn't feel, I didn't just didn't understand at that time. I wasn't ready for that. I was just like, no, I don't want to do this. So one day I knew it would be coming, but uh, I was just in denial. The office was sold. And of course the office was sold. And of course I lost my job because the new doctor's coming in. Well, of course, in that moment, I felt like that was the worst thing in my life. I could not believe this. How dare they fire me? I lose my job. I lose my security. But in hindsight, that was actually the best thing in my life. Mm -hmm. Because in that moment, afterwards, I remember sitting there and thinking, I was like, what do I want in my life? I was like, I want security. I was like, how do I achieve the security? And in our field, as a general dentist, or not just, I'm sorry, not general dentist, but in dentistry, mm-hmm. one of the most predictable ways to control your destiny, control your future, and achieve what you want is to be an owner of your business or businesses if right. you'd like to expand. Mm-hmm. And so I bring that up because that really got me thinking. It got me thinking about what leads to success in life. And then to further bolster this, I remember when I was at that time, I took three jobs. I took jobs working in totally different offices, fee-for-service, high-volume insurance, and Medicaid, just so I could distill this information and see what I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just a test to me to see if I can handle these realities of how varying difficulties of, of different types of dentistry. Beyond that, you know, I, I, I'm the type of person that likes to be, whatever I do, I like to overanalyze, and I like to gather so much information uh, <laughs> that I just aggregate it all together, and then I figure it out. Yeah. So, Going back to my, my thought about the future and controlling your destiny and being successful, I was like, I got to open my own office. And so what I did is during that time frame, working all these other jobs, I remember reading everything. I read books from every industry that was non-related to dentistry. You know, I read books, biographies. I read people that I felt that were uh, a managers, leaders in their position to distill and understand why these people were successful. So with all the information in there, eventually I opened my own office. Um, you know, I've been a dentist for 15 years. In that time, I've had helped many dentists uh, at the beginning. Uh, my colleagues, like in a locally smaller area, start build their practices and reproduce the results. Over time, uh, I started a course to teach other dentists to, to understand this. Uh, and now I'm at a point where I've taught hundreds of dentists. And the interesting thing that uh, I've discovered through the years is since I'm a dentist, I understand how dentists like to think. We're very technical people. We want to understand the why and the principle, but dentists absolutely love repetition and they love a sequence, a system, something, an outline to reproduce. Because in our field, whenever we do procedures, these outlines, these guidances, they give us, they make us feel good. They decrease our stress because we know what to do if this occurs or that occurs. Mm -hmm. So I... Over time, I I aggregated all this information and I broke it down just like dentistry. You know, if you want to learn how to talk to someone, you do this, this, this. If you want to learn how to manage someone, you follow this, 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 and this. And eventually, if you repeat things and you do things enough, it makes you, over time, just like any skill, you become an expert or proficient at it. And then eventually, it comes very smooth to you. And coming back to my initial thought, which my dad told me many years ago, he never wanted these raises and promotions because he had to deal with people. 
<laughs> and uh, when I was younger, I subconsciously, I never realized, but that really affected me uh, in my early years as a dentist uh, until I got fired. That That's I thought the reality was. But once I committed the step to open my practice and over time, I saw that being a manager is one of the most important skills that especially a dentist these days has to have. Right. If you're not a manager, you can't effectively uh, talk to your staff. If you can't do that, if you don't have the confidence to do that, you can't establish a team that works with you. You can't establish an even playing field among your employees, which leads to work satisfaction for your employees. And if you can't do that, you will never create the team that works with you to create the goals that you want, which gives you the profits that you want, the time off you want, uh, whatever you want. You got to achieve that. So, uh, I forgot what we were talking about. But going to, <laughs> no, uh, it's wonderful. Nigeria, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because I, I think it's so important and it's, it's, it's neat to sit here and listen to your, to your journey of how you came about that. Right. I think, um, what, what the profession is so lucky for right now, um, are people like you who have gone down this path, you've learned it, and now you're giving back. And I'm sure that when you were going through that, there were some people along the way, at the beginning of your journey, you know, kind of the same thing, you know, that, that, that you learned for, and I think it learned from in, in, in some form or fashion. So it's exciting to watch this progression. And I also think too, to see, uh, like, like you mentioned, how dentists learn. Uh, and, and the importance of somebody come in that might not think like a dentist and trying to advise them on a way to grow their practice, you know, scale their practice, what have you could be a lot different than what you've done. Uh, and so when you talk about managing people, how many, how many people on your teams right now do you have? Well, uh, that, that's a good question. Uh, if we go back in time, I was at the beginning, a, uh, I would readily admit a poor manager relative to today. What I mean is, comparatively to today, I was overstaffed, and the reason I was overstaffed is because the efficiency that I could achieve from each employee years ago was much less than today, okay? Uh, Now, uh, I'm a private practitioner. I I work four days a week. Uh, I have two full-time hygienists. I have a total of Two hygienists, two front desks, and one assistant, so that's five, okay? One's a floater. Uh, In the past, I actually had seven, which sounded like a lot uh, comparatively to today. So what I've learned over time is as you become an effective manager uh, and a leader, you can gain and increase the efficiency per employee. And so just for example, in my place, uh, I'm functioning with five, but it used to be seven. In actuality, I had someone leave for a while, um, because of this, this odd year. And so I actually had for the longest time, four employees instead of the originally years ago, seven. Mm-hmm. And I will admit that four employees pretty much do the same work as five employees because right. I've pushed them and we've just increased our efficiency and just how we do things. But I'm the type of person also that I'm not going to lie. I don't like stress in my life. And I always, I, I will gladly be slightly overstaffed and have a higher cost of doing business and that's worth it to me because it gives me ease and it gives me a feeling of comfort in being uh, less stressed and being over, um, uh, have higher capacity if I need it. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, as you know very well in a dental practice, there is an element to where you can get super efficient um, and get the most out of people. But because it still is a people business, like you mentioned so well, you know, it's at the end of the day, it is seeing patients and so on and so forth. So, 
you know, having that additional person, you know, as long as, like you said, you felt like, you know, people are being as efficient as possible. um, There there is something to say about that. You know, once you, once you get to a certain point, how about uh, when you look back, uh, maybe two things, Mm -hmm. uh, your, your two big challenges uh, that, that you were able to overcome and then what you learned from that. Oh man. I, I, I don't really feel like I have too many challenges in my life. And I'm not trying to brag, but it's because like I was saying, like, I'm the type of person that likes to over plan things before I do it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I took a test once and it shows that my, my, my personality or whatever is the type of person that achieve, that gathers the information for everything and can, can conceive every scenario that comes out. I swear that's what I do. So I'm already prepared for it. But with that being said, I will say that if you're going to have to say two biggest challenges, I'd say... The first challenge is very common to many dentists. Uh, we, we, it has to do with, and I, I went through this process myself, learning how to be a manager and leader. And what I mean is in school, no one teaches this to us, okay? Mm-hmm. We just think that if we're nice to patients, and nice is a term that some people take the wrong way. It, it's, it's like you bend, some dentists think they need to bend to patients' requests. That's what makes patients like them. No, it's confidence. You want to be confident in what you say and diagnose and stand true to your, your, your decision because then they'll respect you more and they'll have confidence in you and they'll like you more. So um, going back, I, th- I think that one of the first things is that uh, the biggest challenge is dentists have to learn how to manage, okay? Yep. Like I said, it's a, it's a journey, you know? Uh, it took me a while to get to the level of management that I thought I was very good at, that I feel I'm good at. And that took me years of, of trying trial and error. And over time, I've just reproduced it with other dentists. But that's probably the biggest journey uh, challenge for me. I'd say the second challenge uh, is uh, sticking to what you believe. Okay. Uh, what I mean is a lot of times I meet dentists and they, you know, uh, they, they come to me and they're like, I really need a change. I want to change. And they're ready for a change because whatever reason or issue they have in their office has been tugging at them for a while and they're sick of it and they're ready for a change. And then they start to change, but then midway they get cold feet. They get a little scared. They can't push through. So I would say to dentists uh, in general and for myself, the fact that if you do the research, whatever you want, you create a plan, just go with it, okay? You have to follow through. You can't quit midway. A lot of changes in our profession, uh, not profession, or offices, if you, depending on the level you're at, if you're, this is all arbitrary, if you're a good or poor, or excellent office, if you want to achieve another level, change doesn't happen overnight. It never does, okay? One of the things I like to tell people is there. if you take any CE and you think there is a magic bullet <laughs> teach you how to manage, to teach you how to prep, to teach you how to do something, that is wrong, okay? Good CE tells you a lot of pearls, a lot of gems, and it is the summation, in my opinion, of small changes for many things that adds up to the massive change. So going back to that, like, you know, like, a challenge is many dentists, they, they start doing a, one or two things, objectives for what they want, and then they lose steam and they stop. So if you keep going, you keep doing through, finish this objective, that, that, that little changes here and there add up for massive changes. I love that. Uh, all right. Awesome stuff. Okay. So the next thing, you know, you talk about a lot of the planning that you've done uh, in regards to preparation and, and, and taking that time on the front end. Uh, when you look at the year 2020, I don't know how many people 
maybe saw what was coming. And so I think this is a great time to get your thoughts on maybe some of your learning um, from the shutdowns this year, some of the things that you've had to face in dentistry, which many practices, you know, have not had to face in the past. Sure. Well, uh, certainly 2020 is an odd year. Uh, in Texas, we were shut down for approximately eight weeks. And, and you know what? And at the beginning, I was like probably a lot of dentist stages of denial. I was angry. I was upset. I was like, how can this happen? Until I learned how to accept it. And once I did, it actually turned out great. It was a sabbatical for me. It was like, I've been a dentist for 15 years. He gave me this eight-week sabbatical. He gave me a reach <laughs> Um, But yes, when you come back to work, things are a little different. Uh, I think the, the 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 one of the biggest challenges was the variability in what may occur uh, with your office and secondarily the fear of patients. So uh, let's talk about those two things real quick. The first thing is this year is very variable. You know, uh, we are on track to be our best record years, even after uh, 12 years of owning my own business. We're on fire. And then Corona hit, boom, shut down. Uh, Texas, I didn't even see anyone for emergency, so we're completely closed. Once we opened up, it was uncertain. What I mean is, first, the schedule. You know, people are fearful. So your schedule tends to have holes and fall apart, even if it is a fully booked, uh, which it was typically was for hygiene, which feeds the doctor side. So the way I addressed it is I just set the reality with my staff. The reality is this is a variable year. You know, yeah. most businesses will have some decline in our field, uh, dental field. If, if you're Amazon and you're going to have a record year, but for us, the reality is we're probably going to have some sort of decline and we want to minimize that as much as possible. That's just the reality. So I accept and understand that if I have holes or changes in my schedule, it's okay. I'm not going to get upset about this too much relative to other years. Beyond that, it's just not accepting it. We have a very good recall system, and, and I taught a lot of dentists this, but uh, this is a very generic thing, but following up on patients, having a short call list repeatedly and continuously over and over to doing this will fill the schedule and help fill the schedule when it, it gets empty. Um, most dentists, when it comes to times of conserving cash, well, the first thing they usually do is cut back on marketing. I was the opposite because I, I like using Facebook and Instagram for marketing and I can see who markets around me and really nobody does. So I doubled my marketing. So my new patients, because now we have open schedule and time for those that want to come in, we're filling those with new patients. So that's how I address the variability. The second thing that I'd say is very important for people during the shutdown is this fear, this unknown fear. You know, everyone has a different fear about what Corona is and the statistically how they, how, what they think that they'll likely get Corona. Some people are absolutely afraid. We have some patients that haven't been outside for months and they only come to the dentist because they feel safe, which I'll come back to. Some people are like, I don't care. We have a mask mandate and I wouldn't wear one if we have one. Right. Uh, if we did, you know, so what I'm saying is there's variation in what people fear. But I've also recognized that if people have variation in what they fear, your schedule is likely going to fall apart more because people will just reschedule or cancel. And they're not going to tell you specifically sometimes that it's Corona based. Yeah. They don't want to sound like a weenie. They don't want to sound like they're scared. So what do you do? One of the biggest things in life that you should do is always think about things that may occur uh, and you address the, uh, the potential topic or issue before it occurs. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I did is, during the Corona shutdown, I'm like researching Corona. I'm like, I don't know what causes Corona, but the leading thought, which it still is, is an aerosol-based issue. So I was like, aerosol-based? 
what's the size of a virus? So I started looking up the size of a virus and I'm like, oh, coronavirus is point something, one something microns. I'm like, can I filter this out of the air? And, and again, I, I'm not a scientist in this, sure. sense, but yeah. uh, what I found is like, there are air purifiers, medical grade that will clean to point one microns, which is the size of a virus. So in my office, I'm like, man, I got to, I don't know how long we're out of work here. You know, I got to get ramped up and I want to be on fire as much as I can. So I was like, oh, medical grade air purifiers. I bought all these purifiers, but not only that, I, once I got them, I made a video for my patients. I was explaining how, according to the research at that time, which is still correct, that it's likely, you know, these are the thoughts about viruses, Corona, how this works and how our machines will abate that risk. So in my case, I, pre-plan before we even opened. And I sent these emails out, made these diagrams showing our floor plan and how the coverage and everything. I sent these out to all my patients. And that's one of the ways that I have greatly reduced the last minute cancellations or the no-shows or cancellations of patients. I took it to the next level too. I emailed some, I was like, I don't think anyone's doing this. I emailed some TV stations, got on TV for local news. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to send this to my patients too. So now that's why I was saying earlier, we've had some patients that have felt very fearful. Right. And literally, the dentist has been the first spot they come. And they tell me they feel very safe here. And so um, to answer your question, those are two, those two things that I think uh, are some of the biggest challenges for almost all dentists at this point. Yeah. And, and again, like you mentioned, there's an element to where, uh, the, the, yes, there was a shutdown. But even in that time, sounds like, you know, you you had to do something. And, and I, and I think that it, it's, it's encouraging despite what we're seeing now. We know there's definitely has been some challenges, especially here as we approach winter in many parts of the country. Uh, it, it has been encouraging to see uh, what dentistry has done. Uh, and, and at least like you said, that, that that was priority number one, I think for so many dental practices across the country was to, you know, create a safe place for the patients to come. So I think that, I think that's, that's very exciting. Uh, as we close out here, uh, you've shared a lot of great nuggets. Uh, would love to have you share maybe w- one last thing, you know, for, for for your colleagues out there. Just one one bit of advice as as you look to maybe where dentistry is right now, where you know where you see it going. But more, most importantly, just something that they can kind of hang on to and and maybe use in their practice next week as they uh, as they do do what they do. Well, um, I would say uh, for next week's use, I, I'm going to say this is a a very cliched statement. But a lot of dentists, when they come to me, they're always like, you know, I'm ready for a change, but I'm not sure what to do or or what I should do next. And the reason I bring this up is we're all facing challenges of sorts from Corona or whatever. Some of us just want to change our office. This is a, for many people, this is the time that they want to drop PPO plans because that's what we're wanting to do, go out of network. Well, I would say to you, whatever you're thinking, you should evaluate how much you want this. And if it's something that you want, just start the plan to do it. I think many of us, and this is a generic term or paralysis by analysis or whatever that thing is, you know, we think too much about something, but we don't take action. You know, dentistry, uh, this is just my opinion, but dentistry can be a very lucrative profession. Not only lucrative, but it's, to me, it's a very enjoyable profession. And and there's so many dentists that I see on, on Facebook or dental town or just anything and we're always complaining about their job or wishing they were in some other industry. You know, as a dentist, especially if you're a practice owner, 
uh, like because it gives you the ability to affect change. We're not in a large corporation where there's middle management. We have to go to the layers of change. It's so slow, but as a private practice owner, as a business owner, you are directly the boss with maybe one layer or two max if you have multiple businesses underneath you before you affect a change. And so the reason I bring that up is, you know, instead of being upset about or wanting a change in your life or upset about the career that you have, just do it. We have the ability to create the environment that we want. Our work is a marathon. I mean, most of us are going to work 25 years, 30 years, or whatever years it is. Who wants to work this, this, this job where uh, this profession where you don't enjoy it, where, where you feel dragged down? And, and why would you beat yourself up every day for the rest of your life? Because you can probably imagine what bothers you or what irritates you that you want change. So identify it and make the change. You know, like I was saying, small changes lead to massive things. You're not going to change everything overnight, but if you prioritize and you think of one or two things first that bother you, knock those two things out and then find out some more stuff. And eventually you've knocked out 20 things that have bothered you in your practice. Maybe you don't like doing certain procedures, either increase your CE in it or don't do it or charge more. So you feel the enjoyment of doing it to make right. it worth it. And then eventually just like myself, if you get to all the goals that you want in your office, going to work is is easy. You go to work, you make a handsome production per day, handsome income per day. You know, I, life is good. You go home if you want to work four days a week, three and a half days, aim for it, and you go home and you enjoy your weekend. Yeah. So just go for it. That that's that's go for it and don't don't hold back. And you know, like I was saying earlier, you got to continue on and go through with it, not just stop and call it a day. Well, I love that. And I'm sure that the ESS team appreciates the fact that you have uh, worked hard to find a way to work four days a week because it's Friday and you're here with us now, which is great and recording this and uh, sharing out this great information, which I know people are going to get a lot of value from. So uh, Dr. Pham, I I, I want to thank you for your time. I know, you know, again, like I mentioned, um, you know, this, this will mean a lot to the ESS team as well as to really anybody that's listening as they're putting together this podcast. And, and, and I think some of the things that you shared, although I think a lot of times people, um, there's specific things around business. I think so many of the things that you shared today is really part of bit, about a business as well. Like you met, like you mentioned, you know, sometimes you gotta, um, you know, communication is a big part of it. Um, learning new things, taking chances, taking risks, uh, doing preparation on the front end. I think a lot of great nuggets uh, that you shared today. So uh, it's been great spending this time with you. I really appreciate it. Well, wonderful. Thanks for the invite. All right, you got it. Have a great day. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the eAssist Dental Solutions MBA podcast. Be sure to visit iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whichever platform you get your podcast from and subscribe. That way, each time we put out a new episode, it will come through to your listening device of choice. Also, if you want some more information about eAssist Dental Solutions, be sure to check out dentalbilling.com. That's dentalbilling.com. Have a great day.